We are your hosts, Leanne and Llewellyn, and welcome back to the One with Friends podcast. Uh, I don't really have an opener. <laughs> Why don't I, this is like a really easy episode. Why don't you just go into the episode recap and we'll just jump right into it. We'll make it for a really quick Thursday for you all. There we go. All right. This week we watch <laughs> season three, episode 14, titled The One with Phoebe's Ex-Partner. So this was written by Will Calhoun, directed by Bobby Benson, and originally aired on 2-6-1997. Phoebe's ex-singing partner, Leslie, wants to use Smelly Cat for a cat litter ad, while Chandler dates a beautiful woman with an artificial leg and a tie to Joey. Nice. All right, so in the soft open, we are in the cafe with all the friends. There is quite a lot of people there. And we open up on a kind of over-the-shoulder view of this new singer. And all the friends are watching, and she's singing. And Phoebe is, at the beginning, already just looking off into the distance. She's not even paying attention to the artist. And all of a sudden, the friends kind of, you know, huddle amongst themselves and start saying, like, wow, I really like this singer. Like, she's doing a great job. And Phoebe immediately starts, like, kind of firing back a little bit. She seems really jealous, and the friends point that out to her. They're like, wow, look at you, you jealous person. And, you know, she's trying to contradict their love for her. Um, And, yeah, then all of a sudden we find out through her next song that is titled in a, you know, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase. Um, Phoebe Buffet, what could I ever do to have you forgive me? Um, I want to be your partner again. And Phoebe's like, oh, here's one of those look for the hidden meaning songs again. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. But yeah. pretty quick opener. Anything about that that jumps out to you, Llewellyn? No. No. Pretty simple. So we go into the main part of the episode. We are in the cafe, obviously, and... She, you know, the, Leslie kind of hesitantly approaches the friend group after she has been done playing. And we find out that she wrote jingles um, and essentially betrayed Phoebe to go into the jingle writing world. And Phoebe was really hurt by that. Um, but Leslie wants her back. She's like, I want to get back into this friendship. You know who this lady reminds me of? Who? Dolly Parton. Oh, 100%. And, I could see that. And I and I know I know that especially here in Nashville that saying anything against Dolly Parton is almost just as high as the unpardonable sin. <laughs> wow really but oh oh yes there i mean there it's a whole world over here llewellyn with the whole dolly parton thing i mean in gatlinburg you've got dollywood but like even in nashville obviously it's a home of country and right downtown in 12 south dolly parton has one of her homes there and it's i mean it's right in the middle of everything um but she is she is a very looked highly upon icon. And I couldn't give a crap about Dolly Parton. <laughs> I I don't like country music, so I never got into the flow, but like good for her. She's a strong female artist. Like I'm really proud of her in that regard of paving the way in country for women artists. But I don't know. This woman reminded me of Dolly. And Dolly reminds me of this woman, like, and like this a young, woman drove me nuts. I could be your daughter, Dolly Parton. Almost. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And her demeanor, her just like soft, like pushed out voice, like it just, ugh, it drove me nuts. <laughs> and the more I'm thinking of it, the more it's driving me nuts. So let's move on. <laughs> um, okay, Chandler goes to the bathroom and outside of the bathroom he ends up meeting a woman named ginger and the reason for that is because 
He went back there expecting to find a guy come out of the guy's restroom. And yet this woman, Ginger, walks out and is like, sorry, like there were no, there was, I couldn't wait. Like I just had to go. And, you know, she lovingly tells him like, but don't worry, I left the seat up for you because <laughs> you guys do that. Um, and Joey ends up just letting Gunther in because he wants to stand out here and talk to Ginger. Now, this woman, I can't remember what show she's in. I feel like I've seen her before. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't look this up. Actually, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up real quick. Um, I know I'm already. Oh, Sherilyn Fenn is her name. She has also been in trying to find a movie that I've seen. I feel like she's played like the the bad, the bad girl, bad girl, bad person. (laughs) You are bad girl. Oh, Criminal Minds. She was. Who was she? Who was she in was Criminal she in, Minds, though? Was she an unsub? She might have been. Because she maybe that's why seems I, like an unsub. Maybe that's why she drives... Yeah, maybe that's why I don't like her. Because in everything I've seen her in, it's always like, meh. I, I can't find CSI. The first thing that came up no, with me oh, was Gilmore Girls. Oh, she was in Psych. Oh, okay. Oh, and House. My gosh, she's just been in a lot of TV shows. She's in Gilmore Girls, too. For like seven seasons, apparently. What? Wait, yeah. for I don't remember seven. her being in that show. Mm-hmm. What was her name in Gilmore Girls? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Oh, Gilmore Girls. Anna Nardini. Oh, Nardini. Wait, that means nothing to me right now. I have to see her in her role to like know what is happening nardini okay i'm gonna have to figure that out but she was also in psych and i do know who she was in in psych and i didn't like her in that show i think it was like a one-off character but okay anyways interesting hey fun Um, fun fact she's from detroit michigan oh ayo we go represent the det actually i think they I think they say 313 as there's a code, (laughs) but good try. Oh, okay. (laughs) You can tell I never lived in Detroit. Oh, thanks for calling me out on that, Luella. Appreciate it. Anytime. (laughs) Um, So they're, you know, they're interacting with each other. The friends are about to leave and Joey all of a sudden catches a quick glimpse of her and he uh, quickly goes into hiding and by hiding, I mean, like, trying to disappear behind the coat rack that he moves as she moves around it. She has <laughs> clearly seen Joey. Yeah. Very clearly. And he's trying to pretend as if he's still non-existent to her. So she walks out, um, which will lead to a later conversation. Uh, we jump over where Rachel's working. And Ross is coming to pick her up and they're going to go what seems to be out to dinner. But she says, I've got bad news. I can only eat for like a couple minutes. It's a quick bite. And then I've got to get back here. And he's like, gosh, like you've been working late for two weeks, which is a continuation of the story that we got last week when we reviewed the previous episode. And um, Ross is sort of getting like annoyed with it. Well, yeah, this whole scene, he, um, it was a short scene, but he came in and Mark said something and he was really short with Mark. Um, so mm-hmm. like you could tell, like, oh, I'm still irritated by your presence. Um, but then he comes to find, come to find out the reason Rachel's working so late is because Mark has quit. And as soon as Ross hears that, he like changes his tune towards Mark. Like, oh, really now? <laughs> And like, oh, it's fine if you need to work later, sweetie. Like, I totally understand. And it's just, so it was just like a night and day difference. And you're like, all right, Ross, I thought you guys talked about this. And why are you still so jealous? But, you know, we know Ross. Yeah, we see you, buddy. We see you. 
Uh, yeah, he's really excited about it because he realizes Rachel will no longer have to work next to this guy that he's super jealous of. But it's a very quick scene. Um, we go over to the girls' apartment where Phoebe and Monica are playing the Ouija board. Did you ever play this? Did you oh, ever do that? yes. I did. You did? I did. <gasps> Blasphemy. Tell me about it. <laughs> no. Um, it was, I mean, it was years ago. Like, I would say grade sure. school. You know. Okay. I was hoping it wasn't like, you know, a couple years ago when we worked next to each other. <laughs> no. No. It was like middle school probably. Um, okay. We had one, and you, like I don't know if you ever heard like the the myths that they talk about Ouija boards. Like if you say it a certain way, like someone will come and like kill you or do whatever. Um, <laughs> and no. my friend had one, and I don't know why we thought. I mean, we were into like scary stuff back then. Like it's just funny. Like no wonder I like true crime because back in the day I loved like horror stuff. Um, sure, but now it's true crime, which I don't know if that's okay. any better. Um. But we would, like, hide her Ouija board. I never had one because my parents wouldn't let me get one, but she did. And we'd hide it in, like, under under her, like, socks. Because for some odd reason, we felt like the, the demons couldn't get us if it was hidden under <laughs> her socks. The I impenetrable force of the spirit world. Socks. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, it was creepy, but I never, like, actually know, like, was somebody else moving it? Or what is happening? So... They are, like, really creepy, but I, I feel like it's a lot of, like, what you think. Like, if you think this is real, then... I know. Yeah, but... What I think is... what I, it, it reminds me of a joke that I heard once about, like, how Christians will pray, like, Lord, like, I pray a hedge of protection around mm-hmm. these people. It's like, what do you think of when you think a hedge? It's, like, greenery, right? right. Like, the devil's coming up, and it was like, oh, no, what am I going to do about this shrubbery? I wasn't planning on this. Like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's not much protection. <laughs> oh, it's like you can just jump over it if he was like any kind of, you know, <laughs> get some height. I don't know. That's really funny. A running jump. <laughs> the sock, the sock drawer. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, um, it was funny. There was one time we th- we actually ended up throwing it away because we were so scared of it. And her brother oh. thought it would be funny to play a trick on us. So he got it out of the trash and put oh, it back in her sock no. drawer. No! <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Uh, yeah, it was, that's so perfect. It was not funny I think if I was, n- oh, I'm sure. Oh my gosh, I would have freaked the frick out. Um, okay, so Phoebe is a little jumpy because Phoebe, of all of them, would be probably the one that's more susceptible to believing like the depths of like the Ouija board. And so all of a sudden, the beeper goes off, and you know, Phoebe kind of like flinches really bad or like screams a little. And she shoves it in a pan and puts it in the oven. And she lets Monica know that it's Leslie. She's trying to get a hold of Phoebe. She's been, you know, consistently for like two hours calling her. But Phoebe's super hurt. And sorry, I'm like yawning so much. Um, Phoebe's hurt. And she's not really excited, you know, about the prospect of just letting her waltz back into her life. Joey at that time comes in. He's looking for Chandler. And he finds out that Chandler is with this girl named Ginger that he met at the cafe. And Joey wants it to be like anybody but Ginger. He's like, is it something that sounds like Ginger? Help me out here. And Monica's like, no, it's Ginger. And the first thing she thought of was... um. The Gilligan Island reference. Did you, do you did you ever watch Gilligan's Island? Um, I didn't watch it like regularly, but I did watch. Yeah, so. there were several shows that I think are just. I I feel like it's probably going to be the equivalent of like when our kids are growing up. Just by proxy, they're going to be watching these shows that they'll remember from their childhood. Mm-hmm. It's like Gilligan's Island, Bewitched, I Dream of Jeannie. Like, those three shows, to me, are so nostalgic. But they were probably because they were my, like, my mom's shows growing up or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, uh, so Gilligan's Island is one of those that I never watched start to finish. I don't even, I haven't even ever Googled where I could find them to watch. Actually, I'm going to Google that right now. Um, while you tell us 
why what what Joey's trying to reveal to his friends. <laughs> the big reveal. Yeah, so he's like hesitant to say anything because he you can tell that he's clearly embarrassed. And when you think of Joey, like he is like the player of them. So like the fact that he is this like scared to tell them what he did means it must have been really bad. So he finally Monica finally gets him to like spill the beans. Um because he's like, well, wouldn't you rather us hear it from you than Chandler afterwards? So we find out that four years ago, or in that time, four years prior, Joey and Ginger were dating, and they went to a cabin one night with her dog. And as he's telling this story, like you don't really know where it's going, but you, you kind of feel like he maybe did something to the dog. Um, because they're laying there at night by the fireplace, and... He goes to throw a new log in the fire, and the, the girls immediately think, oh my gosh, did you throw Pepper in the fire? Like, the dog. Um, he's like, no, 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 worse than that. So we find out that Joey threw her artificial leg, Ginger's artificial leg, in the fire in the middle of his sleep when he's just trying to make sure the fire keeps going. But what does he do? In- instead of, like, talking to her about it, he just leaves. He basically just abandons her and doesn't talk to her about it. So Joey yeah, no, is a little mortified. Yeah. And the well the, and the girls are mortified for Joey. Yeah. Like she did not handle that very well. Um fun fun fact, I I think you can only get and watch Gilligan's Island from the um from amazon wait no sorry youtube and it's like a dollar 99 and i don't i don't know if that's like per episode yeah it's usually they are yeah two dollars per episode that's seems very expensive i mean that's how there's like several seasons isn't it if it's not free man I don't like that at all. I just I just want someone to acquire it, like HBO Max, since that's where we watch Friends. Plug, sponsor us. <laughs> or, Please. you know, Amazon Prime or something, where you can just access it because it's so old. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Someone just needs to buy the greater branding of it and just put it out there for all of us who pay for streaming. Anyways, okay. <sighs> Great recap. The girls are mortified. Joey probably needs to learn to forgive himself, but is also mortified because he there's no resolve, um, you know, with his relationship with Ginger. So we go to a date between Ginger and Chandler. They're both out. They're kissing in the moonlight. And he sees that her foot is, like, standing in cold water. Now... In, you know, the middle of New York in a winter like that, there would definitely, especially when it melts during the day and then freezes again at night and then melts during the day, like there are definitely puddles that, you know, happen. So this is very believable. And I have myself stepped in several of these puddles that are, as you're getting out of your car and, you know, you might have too big of a gap between, you know, the edge of the sidewalk in your car. So you have to like either, you know, maneuver yourself to jump over it or just realize that you're gonna have to step in it um but her foot's in cold water she doesn't realize it and this is sort of where she reveals Chandler that she has like not a real leg but they don't they don't expressly say that at all we just find out that Chandler knows later right yeah so he's just trying to be like oh we need to get your shoe off like we need to get your foot warm all of that and she It's just like, no, it's fine. Like, it's really okay. So, like, she never Mm -hmm. openly says, I don't have a real leg. But you can just tell that Chandler's like, what what are you talking about? Like, your foot is going to (laughs) freeze. Right. Because he says, what, do you have, like, a bionic leg? And she's like, maybe someday. Yeah. But it's like, that doesn't doesn't tell me that you have a fake leg. You could literally just be like, oh, technology in the future with robots. I don't know. Um, look at us both yawning. Uh, Sorry, guys. Y'all, it's been a it's morning. A very sli- it's sleepy. Um, okay. Back upstairs in the girls' apartment, Ross and Rachel have 
Um, oh, they're going to bed. And Ross starts just giggling. And it looks like he's potentially giggling at the little book that he has. So Rachel kind of Rachel kind of points that out. And he goes, no. <laughs> you know what I find really funny is when Mark said, I'll see you Saturday. And all of a sudden, it blows up into an argument. She's like, please don't tell me that this is about Mark again. He's like, well. And she's like, oh, my gosh, Ross. Like, it is becoming, it's becoming a thing between yeah. the two of them. And... Yeah, and Rachel's like, and Rachel's not happy about it. But they eventually get to this kind of point in the conversation where it's like, well, it's not even that you're like, what if I want to go with you? Ross is trying to somewhat take a stand, doesn't doesn't want it to make it seem like it's maybe all about Mark, which it definitely is. But how do you know, Rachel, that I don't want to go with you to one of your lectures? And she's like, all right, honey, then you can definitely come with me. I mean, we know that she's probably been to her fair share of, you know, historical conferences or whatever for Ross and his, you know, career. So, you know, it seems like it's a nice thing that he's doing. Yeah. Even though it will come back to bite, bite him. And in the same sort of quick cut scene, we see Phoebe is also in the apartment, the girl's apartment, and she's still got her beeper in the pan, but now it's out of the oven, and it seems like she's contemplating it a little bit more. We find out that Leslie hasn't called in quite a while, and Monica can pretty much see right through her, and, like, you, you want to call her. Like, you're trying to talk yourself out of calling but I know that's what you want to do. But Phoebe is just, she's been so hurt. She's trying to, you know, she she almost wants to keep it so that she doesn't talk to her. Just don't we all do that? I mean, we all like try and justify our own hurt from the past by eliminating the potential for like future relationship. Oh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I probably I, I'm. Like, 100% sure I've definitely done that in the past. Yeah, me too. Where you just feel like if I stay hurt, it My helps. Apologies. I couldn't hear what you said. What? Was that me? That was you. <laughs> hey, Siri. No, don't say it again. <laughs> oh, no. My... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Whoops. Um, I don't even know what I was saying now. I got, thro- I got so thrown off. Um... Oh, can you hear that thunder? Is that thunder? It was raining yeah. here too. I actually went on a very wet walk in my local park, but um, yeah. Sorry, dang. y'all. A lot of loud noise <laughs> noises. Yeah. What? What's okay? Yeah, that last thirty seconds was thrilling. Um, okay, I was talking about. You were talking about friendships and how we can stay hurt. Oh yeah, yeah. We just, it's so easy for us to, it just helps us to think that we're justifying our own past hurt by keeping, like, bitterness and offense, like, if we hold on to it. Um, But, yeah, it definitely hurts us for, you know, future relationships or reconciliations, so. But we find out that Monica's, you know, input really did get to Phoebe because we do a quick cut to a cafe scene where she, Leslie, is playing a song. Phoebe shows up to finish the song with her partner, and we see kind of this on-screen reconciliation. Now, the next couple scenes are very, like, cut, 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 cut. So we go to where Ross and Rachel are in this lecture, and Ross is bored. He seems kind of more delirious than bored, which is probably David Schwimmer just not playing the scene very well. Because he looks like he's, like drunk or like kind of loopy on stuff the way that he's interacting with Rachel would you agree or are you like that's not how I saw it no I would totally agree I feel like because I know that obviously Ross is bored to death like he doesn't like the fashion we all knew that but I do think it was just it was out of character for what I feel like it should have been hmm and I feel like, especially yeah. someone like Ross, like, he sits through lectures on dinosaur stuff. Like, 
I would, I feel like Ross would have, you know, that kind of like proper etiquette for lecture type things. And why would he be, it, it just almost seemed really put off and like really disrespectful for the setting. And that just seemed out of Ross's character for me. But then again, it could have just, like you said, it could have been David Schwimmer playing it differently than what we perceive it should have been. Mm. Cause he did seem a little like loopy or even drunk rather than I'm tired and I'm bored. Bored. Yeah, I totally agree. And in the way that he kind of exhibits it is what kind of annoys Rachel. She's, I mean, she's studious. She's taking notes. Like this is her dream field of study. Like she wants to be here. Yeah. This guy's talking about like runway fashion and like chiffon and like (laughs) all the stuff that is like currently on the runway that you see. And she kind of like, shushes Ross by putting her hand over his mouth and that's like a very clear signal that he needs to shut it. So we cut back to the cafe and Phoebe is, you know, her and Leslie are sitting on the couch and she's seeing Smelly Cat to her. She's like, you know, she's presenting something to her friend, um, something that she's created and Leslie can't help herself but start to mention, you know, you should sell this to like as a jingle, I'm sure like a cat litter commercial would love, you know, to have you. And she's like, no, no, no. Like, that's not what's happening here. So, yeah, I mean, that was pretty much the base of that scene. And then we cut back to the lecture and Ross is asleep and essentially wakes himself up with like a big snore, like snort type thing that has happened. Um, and Monica, or not Monica, Rachel is, like, annoyed by that. Like, he hasn't just made it known to her that he's asleep because he's, like, literally leaning on her shoulder, but also to those around him, which is probably embarrassing for Rachel. Oh, yeah. You can tell in her face she's, like, appalled. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So then we kind of finally come out of that, like, quick back and forth scene. We land in the guy's place. Mona comes in, she needs to borrow some milk and starts asking about the date. Chandler starts to give a little bit of information and then you can kind of tell that Monica is fishing a little bit. She's fishing for certain information. Yeah. And Chandler immediately calls her out and is like, Joey told you. And she's like, yep. <laughs> so they start talking about it. Chandler is, you know, really mentioning some of his real reservations you know like it's just not what I'd pictured you know it kind of scared me a little bit but then I thought like why would I let that get in the way Joey comes out realizes that they're all powwowing about you know Ginger and him and the leg and all the things and he's like you know hey is there any part that Ginger might have thought that was funny and just trying to he's trying to I guess, feel like he's been forgiven by her. (laughs) I think he just, I think Joey needs some closure in this area. Oh, yeah. That he just won't get. Yeah. But I do really Um, like, I do really like in the scene, just how, like, honest Chandler is about it. You know, Mm -hmm. like, he's like, it does kind of freak me out, but also, like, I hate myself for even thinking that. Which... I think I've always appreciated that about, especially him and Monica, like they're always so real with each other, I feel like. And when, because I mean, in that moment, Chandler easily could have been like his weird, funny self and like, you know, making jokes about the artificial leg, but he was just genuinely like, I, you know, it does freak me out. And I I hate to even say that because like, that's not nice to say, but I don't know. So I just really liked his honesty in I think that whole scene. Yeah. You know, it makes me think of our friend Danielle, who, you know, her husband, William, she on her first episode with us or they were together on their first episode with us. And they talked about just the beginnings of their relationship and how she, you know, also maybe, you know, she didn't go like so much in depth, but it just kind of has some similar, you know, points in points of contact for me. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. In just like, you know, his, his, you know, birth, 
I don't know. I don't know the like PC way to say it, but um, just the way he was born, and then the idea that now their son deals with things like that as well as a direct result of just genetics, like continuing on. And I just like greatly respect her for that because I'm. I, I feel like I would be communicating the same fears that Chandler has. You know, the same concerns, so. Yeah. Uh, across the hall. No. Yes. Across the hall, the, the Ross and Rachel have come back from this lecture. And Ross is like, I don't get the big, like, it's not a big deal. You just nod it off. And Rachel is pissed. She compares it to, like, okay. Ross is saying, I sat here for 45 minutes listening to this guy talk about fashion. And Mon- or Rachel is like, yeah, okay, I sit there for four hours for your lectures where they said, hey, this thing that died a gazillion years ago, here's a bone that we found. And he's like, <laughs> Professor Pittstains, but it's Mr. Dr. Patain, like... <laughs> They're arguing, and it's a whole lot of mess. A whole lot of mess is happening. Um, But I did think it was, like, nice that in, like, at the beginning of the argument, they are definitely petty. I mean, Ross is essentially saying that her job doesn't matter because it wouldn't be portrayed in a movie. Which, hot devil wears Prada. (laughs) Iconic! (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay, it's not on the same level as like Jurassic Park, but um, but he's essentially boiling the entirety of her desires down to this idea that like your job isn't as important to mine just because it's not portrayed in like greater culture in a different way. And that's super unfair of Ross. I mean, he was essentially saying no one's going to go see a movie called Jurassic Park, <laughs> which... Which is just a ridiculous way for him to kind of, like, make his point. But his point is stupid. Like, how do you quantify someone else's passions based on, like, cultural integration and things like that? Like, I just, I don't know. What do you think? Because I just think that's so unfair of Ross. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he... He definitely, like, demeans her in a way. And is just saying, you know, your job's not as important as mine is. So, like, therefore, I don't want to sit in your lectures, but I still want you to come to mine type of thing. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of how it felt. And yeah. that's not fair of Ross to do, especially just knowing that, like, this is Rachel's, like, first almost glimpse or first, like, taste of what she really wants to do. And... Honestly, Ross should be, like, elevating her and, like, supporting her more now that she's, like, taken the step to do something that she wants to do with her life rather than, like, being jealous and frustrated about it. And really, Mm -hmm. I feel like it just all boils down to the same with, like, the Mark issue is when we find out that he just really feels like they're not on the same page because she's spending so much time at work and... You know, it's, like, a whole life that he doesn't know anything about and all of that. It's just, like, more insecurities that, hey, Ross, if you just came and talked to Rachel about this, then, mm-hmm. you know, it it would help things better. Like, this fight probably could have been avoided because you just, just talk and say, like, this is how I'm feeling. But, again, we see Ross, you know, making dumb decisions rather than just the not easier because it's never easy to talk to somebody about things that you're you know, frustrated or sad about, but, um, you know, if he would have just came to her and talked about it and addressed those feelings and the vulnerability, then they would be in the situation they're in. Yeah. How many hardships could be sidelined just by, cause he's acting out in a way when he could have just started it with like a conversation. Cause he really does open up. He says, you know, I didn't not I didn't want to go with you just because I didn't want Mark to go with you. I wanted to go with you because I feel like you're slipping away from me a little bit. And that is a legitimate fear. But because he didn't talk to her about it, he started acting out in ways that were even more annoying and exasperating the very topic and like perpetuating her to respond in a way that confirmed his own fears. Right. <laughs> you know? 
Um, but you do get a little glimpse into Ross in this moment, and I do like that. You know, it is genuine. It's like the emotions kind of boil down a little bit, and he's like, I feel like you're just slipping away. I don't feel a part of this piece of your world. And Rachel has to come in with some also legitimate validation of kind of the separation of religion, relationship and state <laughs> sort of yeah um i know that's a kind of punny way to say it but she's like i kind of like that there's this part of my world that you're not fully integrated into that i have purpose outside of my relationship with you and i like that you know i like having people that's not you that i can talk about things with or you know, having Mark, who knows the fashion world, it's easier to talk about chiffon versus satin versus, you know, coffita or whatever, simply because he's in this world and you're not. And by the time I explain it to you, I don't want to talk about it anymore. You know, I don't know. Um, I think this is a really great piece of their relationship that I wish did not continue in the trajectory that they continued on with the whole Mark story. I wish this was kind of the wrap-up to it, because I think it's a really strong relational wrap-up. Ross is communicating his fears, and Rachel is saying, like, I understand those fears, but I also like the idea that there's parts of our worlds that we're both not in, so that we can keep some individuality, like, in this relationship. Yeah. I think both of those are valid. Yeah, for sure. Uh, across across the hall in the guy's apartment, Ginger and Chandler are having a date night in. And she's like, you're thinking about my leg, aren't you? And he was like, no, no, I just, blah, 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 blah. like, what, what was that again? And she's like, I'm not bothered by it. I just need to know how bothered you are by it. So they kind of start getting a little frisky. And she stumbles over his nubbin. Is nothing <laughs> that we haven't heard about in a while, right? Obviously, but it comes back into play. He explains what it is to her, and she makes an excuse and heads out the door like the little hypocrite that she is. I know, so bad, so bad. It's it's so frustrating because. She had this whole ordeal with Joey at one point, and now it's a whole ordeal with Chandler. He, she is sort of like, I don't want to waste my time with someone who's not, you know, who sort of doesn't know what they're doing. And yet she does the exact same thing, you know, to Chandler. Yeah. I mean, luckily, he she doesn't waste his time. But still, like, you're, you're like that's a hypocritical thing to do. For sure. Uh, so we're kind of winding down a little bit. The storylines are sort of looping, you know, rounding out. And in the cafe, Phoebe is setting up to play. And all of a sudden, Leslie comes running in. She's late. Phoebe was like, I didn't think you were going to make it. And she goes, you know, hey, great news. I played your song for my old agency and they love it. And Phoebe's like, I told you not to go do that. I don't want to do that. And she's like, what, you know, what's more important for you? Like our friendship and we can play together and all the things or this jingle, this like one commercial that you're going to get off of my song. And if the most important thing to you is the jingle and the song, then you can have it because and what's it going to be? And I wish they had, like, kind of played this out in, like, a funnier manner, but I think the weightiness of it and, like, the reality of, like, that it really is, like, a hurtful thing that, like, they didn't play up on that. But it seems like Phoebe could have played more into the, like, oh, this is a ridiculous, like, ulti, what is it called? Ultimatum? Yeah. Like that, she's definitely not going to pick. Like she's obviously going to pick me as my fr- as my friend, and then you know, and then we obviously know in the next scene what happens. But um, I feel like 
I feel like she didn't play it up enough, but it still was like kind of a funny moment when all of a sudden we get a quick cut to the girls' apartment and Phoebe and Monica are sitting in front of the TV watching a commercial for uh, kitty litter and hearing the song Smelly Cat. And we obviously know what Leslie has chosen. She is now probably definitely and indefinitely out of Phoebe's life because she has chosen the wrong thing. Or poor Phoebe. Poor Phoebe. Phoebe's going to rally. She has already created a new song. And she's going to play it for them. And the song is very much an anti-Leslie song. It's it's talking about, like, a, a jingle whore. <laughs> it's, it's she, she's, like, she's written, written, like, two lines, and she's not done with it, but she's, like, this is my new song. So we end the main bulk of the episode with that. Any other comments, you know, as we are wrapping up the main part of the episode? No, I think we, it's a pretty straightforward episode. Yeah, I would agree. So in the tag scene, Chandler comes in. He's super excited. And he announces to the entire friend group that he got his nubbin removed. Which you can kind of probably assume that he he knew why Ginger walked out on him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and so he was probably fed up with it at that time. All of his friends made fun of him for it at one point anyways. And so I'm doing it like... Two nipples, no waiting. Monica makes a funny joke about Rachel because she's like, that was her name in high school. And Chandler realizes that he didn't think of that joke first because it was an easy setup joke. And now he assumes that all of the source of his jokes and power came from his nubbin that he just had removed. Womp womp. Yeah. Um... Okay, uh, there's only, the, uh, I've only got like a few fun facts um, for this episode. So a couple about Elizabeth Daly, who is the actor who plays Leslie. Um, Daly was also the dubbed singing voice in Phoebe's music video for the same song in an earlier episode. So remember the episode where... They wanted to produce the song Smelly Cat and they had some actress come in and sing over, you know, yeah. her her voice. This was the actor that did it in real life. Elizabeth oh, really? Daly. Nice. Mm-hmm. She is also the voice of Tommy Pickles in the series Rugrats. I had a feeling. Really? I had a feeling. Because I, I knew she looked familiar. And I remember seeing, because you know oh. how they redid, they're redoing, redoing Rugrats right now or whatever. Um, oh, I think they? she plays his voice now, too. Oh, dang. And I remember seeing, like, a clip with her, and I was like, wait, she looks familiar. That makes sense. I knew it, Tommy was a girl. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, so obviously Rugrats was a 90s cartoon. Um, and then this is the only time the bathroom in Central Park or Central Park is seen. So we always have people going into the back. You know, they'll disappear. They'll go in the back and then they'll come back out. But this is the first scene, the only time that we actually see the bathroom itself. Um, and then this is sort of like a funny parallel, but not as like weighty as some of the other ones. So obviously... When Chan- as Chandler is dating Ginger and Ginger is missing part of her leg, we already know that in real life, Matt, uh, Matthew Perry is missing a part of his middle finger on his right hand. So that's just sort of like a funny parallel um, or like an ironic parallel, I guess, is, you know, more of the way it could be said. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, episode rating system. Llewellyn, how would you rate this episode? Oh, goodness. Um, oh, gosh. I feel like this episode... So I like that Phoebe actually had an episode about her. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to give this an unagi. Mm. Which is, like, right in the middle, because I don't really know. I mean, it was funny in some parts, and I like that 
you know, Phoebe actually has an episode titled after her and a big storyline in it. However, like you had kind of mentioned, I feel like they could have done more with that um, in certain spots. And so that was a little, like, frustrating. But also, I think, you know, it's important for the Rachel and Ross storyline to, like, see every part of that relationship. So, you know, it's kind of an episode that people need to see. But again, I don't know. I could go either way. Like, I wasn't super, super fond of this episode, but it also, like, wasn't terrible. So I'm going to put mm-hmm. it right in the middle because I don't really know where to go. Yeah, this is a hard episode to rate. I I agree with you in the sense that I'm also thankful that Phoebe had an episode that's hers. But also, I wish the storyline for her was stronger. Yeah. Even though it does give you some history with Phoebe and all the things, but I just didn't like the actress like that played her. So you're just kind of like, I don't even know. I would probably give it... This, it doesn't hit on my radar at all. This is very an underwhelming episode for me. So I'm going to give it an, uh, oh my God. Um, I just was not entertained. I didn't care for Ginger. Um, it's the Ross, Rachel, Mark trio again that I'm just bored with already. Um, and then Phoebe's thing is not that strong. Um, it was, it was, it was just so indifferent that I'm like, if I'm so indifferent about it, I can't even give it like, um, I can't even give it like a middle. It just has to be lower than that. So that's what I'm going to give it. Okay. So our post show wrap up, we've got our social media spotlight. And this week is one of our new, uh, listeners. One of our new friends, uh, Instagram handle is OMG underscore it's King Fidel. Um, on Instagram on August 5th, they wrote us and said, I just found your guys's podcast. I'm going to start rewatching friends and listen to the pod. Y'all got to post more on here. <laughs> and he's, or they are talking about Instagram. And I said, we know like facepalm emoji. We mentioned on one of our previous episodes, the why behind us taking a break from posting on social media. We love that you're joining us in the journey, and I hope that you can stick with it past season one. It's a little cringy, but we found our flow in season two. They said, LOL, I definitely will. I plan on rewatching Friends in a month or two, and I'll be tuning into the pod after every episode. So this is like this person, um, and and I don't have anything outside of obviously the underscore, so I'm just going to call you OMG. Um, so this OMG is like a classic. I love to hear that they're going to watch an episode and listen and then listen to the podcast and kind of go back and forth. I feel like that's a really cool way, especially if you, you know, haven't rewatched the show Friends in a while. It's kind of a cool thing to do. That way you can like pick up on stuff and, you know, it's all fresh in your mind and, and all that. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. But I would also say that it kind of like terrifies me because I'm like, you know, all the things of like, oh, what if they don't like it and all of that. And we both know how cringy season one is. So you're just like, just get so through bad. it. Get to season two. But Llewellyn, I have a really sad fun fact that I could just add into this episode. Do you want me to do it for our, our fans who have stuck through? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For context, for all of our loving friends out there. Our very first episode, called The One with the Wedding Dress, has 16.9 thousand plays. Do you want me to tell you what our last episode was? Like last week's episode? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no. 85. (laughs) (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) It's almost like we need to re-record all of season one. I mean, and what's fine about it is that over time, they'll like pick up a little bit, but our average is probably in the like three to four hundreds, 
which obviously is better than 85. And sometimes it takes me a little bit to listen to podcasts that I'm, you know, currently listening to on a continual basis. So I totally get that. It's just really funny that I wish that season one was a better representation um, because even between episode one and episode two, we dropped down by 14,000 people. (laughs) People will tune in to the very first episode and then just bail out. (laughs) But anyways, um, so our recommend to a friend is our own podcast this week. (laughs) (laughs) Recommend it to all your friends and family. Start in season two, and then once you have fallen in love with us, then go back to season one. It's kind of like, okay, here's I'm going to relate us to one of the most iconic shows of all time, The Office. Season one is cringy for everybody, even for those that love The Office. Michael's cringy. The uh, Mindy Kaling is cringy. Dwight is cringy. It's all cringy. But once you get to season two, you can go back to season one and be like, Okay, I get the context a little bit more now. That's our podcast. Go to season two directly. Then when you love us, go to season one and listen to all of it with a grain of salt. A a huge grain of salt. A very big, large grain of salt. (sighs) And a margarita or something. I don't know. Just give us a chance, people. Okay, I'm going to make myself sad if I think on that too long. Any recommend to a friend outside of actually our own podcast? I don't this week, guys. I don't think that I have one either. Nope, I don't. Awesome. That's it. Okay. Um, Well, then we are going to connect with you guys next week where we will be covering the one... Oh, here it is, guys. The one where Ross and Rachel take a break. Dun, dun, dun. You know what? So, it'd be fun. What? If we invite our, maybe our two star friends to come Ooh, on this episode. I feel like they would have a lot of strong British opinions on this oh, episode. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Here's the deal, guys. We will try and get them for next week's episode. If we can't, there will be a small break because... This is one of those episodes that hinges the entire direction of a series. So we are planning on having one next week. But if our two star friends can't be a part of it, then we will bump out to when their availability is. So just be tuned and maybe you'll be surprised and we'll be on time. Yeah. But until then, we will catch you guys soon on the one with... Oh, I just realized it may not be next week. So we will catch you guys (laughs) when we can on the One with Friends podcast.